Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and uh, welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I have uh, a real special treat for, uh, for everyone today. I have a, a comic book writer. You may have heard of him before from such series as Harrow County or The Sixth Gun. Um, a, a couple out right now in terms of a legacy of violence. Uh, uh, the last book you'll ever read, uh, Cold Spots, Manor Black. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but I really am excited to uh, to talk to Today's guest about his newest comic, newest comic from Dark Horse called Shock Shop, which is coming out September 7th. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Cullen Bunn. Cullen, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? I, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I, um, I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, I w- was able to read a, a review copy of uh, Shock Shop. I absolutely loved it. I, I'm familiar oh, with some of your... I, I'm familiar with... Your work, um, as I've mentioned, I've read a couple of the series that I've uh, that I threw out there in the intro, and I really feel like this is kind of a perfect fit for you almost in terms of a horror anthology series. And I'm just curious as to how what is Shock Shop about and kind of how did you develop it? Yeah, uh, so Shock Shop's a little different from from most of the other books I've done in that it is it is an anthology series, uh, but it's presenting two stories that will be serialized over the first four issues. So uh, there, so it's, it's an anthology, but the stories are longer. We get to dig into the characters a little more. We get to dig into the pacing and the mood and the horror a little more. Uh, but those stories will be serialized. And what we're doing uh, that I think is really interesting on, uh, especially in terms of the physical copies of the book is that the, the each issue is a flip book. So you'll, it has two covers. You'll read one side of the comic. Uh, you'll get to the end of the first story, and there's an image there that says, hey, stop reading and flip the book over. You flip the book <laughs> over, and it's like starting a, an entirely new comic. Um, two stories. There are some thematic connections between the stories, but uh, but two very different horror stories. And, uh, you know, our goal is... You know, assuming success, assuming people like this series, we're going to continue to do this. And every arc of Shock Shop will present two different stories that will be serialized. I the the getting right into it the it, the book opens. It has a little bit 
of um you know an intro with this main character uh i'm going to try and pronounce the name desdemona uh moreau yeah there you go you got it and who is a little bit of the the crypt keeper by way of elvira um (laughs) i think that's a fair a fair assessment yeah uh she uh she she forms sort of the framing uh, device for both stories. And she's definitely a crypt keeper type of character. And Elvira, I kind of, I tried to channel horror movie hosts that I remember when I was a kid, but also uh, I used to love the old DC house of mystery comics that were uh, in in the era of that comic that I loved the most is when uh, they were hosted by Kane and he had these great splash pages that always something bizarre was going on and he'd welcome everyone to each issue. So you see that in this first issue for sure, because both stories have these splash pages where something weird is going on with, with Desdemona and she welcomes everyone to, uh, to the shock shop because the framing device is a haunted comic book store. And we get to uh, Desdemona owns and manages this shop. And so we get to see very different, very weird, different things going on in this haunted comic shop every issue. Uh, yeah. And from the very opening, there are so many little details to pour over. And try, I don't want to spoil you know, anything or but when people get it, but you really need to spend some time with it in terms of what's along the back wall. Um, there might be uh, a comic spinner rack uh, yeah. in the foreground that you're going to want to pay attention to. Um, yeah. uh, certainly the shock shop, um, I think, seems to uh, cater to a certain clientele in terms of <laughs> some horror books, perhaps. For and sure. um, in terms of the the creative team, there's two stories in this. It's uh, something in the woods, in the dark, mm-hmm. and familiars. And... Um, I think it's Danny Luckert and uh, Nate Picos on the first one. And uh, for the second, it's um, Lila Lies, Bill Crabtree, and Nate Picos again on yeah. uh, on, on Familiars. Yeah, uh, that's one of the cool things about this book is we get to, I get to work with two, you know, very exciting creative teams and, and artists who bring their own unique vision to these stories. And, and again, very you know, very different styles, but both very, very cool styles too. Uh, yes. And, and, and creators uh, that you've also worked with before Danny Luckard on regression, um, uh, Lila or Layla, um, on, uh, the last book you'll ever read and Nate Picos. If anyone, I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with, you know, Blambot and Nate's work as lettered, you know, several different dark horse books and uh, plenty of other things beside. Um, so, yeah, it's like a murderer's row of uh, creators that you have that you're working with. Yeah. And even Bill Crabtree was, you know, he I've worked with him numerous times. He was the the colorist on the sixth gun. And and it's a uh, it, that's one. of uh, It's it's nice. When I came into this this first arc. Danny and. And Layla were the first two artists I thought of to do this series uh, to some degree, because I had just recently worked with both on the, of them on something else. But I but, you know, I, there were but there's a huge list of artists I want to work with. I just had I have to balance it with what uh, other you know, what I know those creators are working on. But, yeah, I have sort of a, a dream, a dream list of creators to 
to work with going forward on future shock shop stories. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and I want to say in terms of the, the artwork, um, Danny Luckert's art, which is the, he, he's on something in the woods in the dark. Um, and both of these stories though, there's a very, uh, realistic, um, complex story being told with these characters something in the wood in the dark seems to be couples on on a camping trip um the emotional acting the body language of those characters leading up to you know what we find at the or what is revealed at the at the end of the story is is phenomenal it, it's it's a comic that i didn't know quite where you know it was going to go um and we're dealing we see characters who are dealing with you know, real issues. This isn't just uh, as much as I love Friday the 13th, but like <laughs> teenagers and campers in the woods. We're talking about folks who have clearly have some real adult emotional things that they that they are going through and dealing with. And it's the perfect setting to add in this horror element. Yeah, Um and and the horror elements, especially in well, in both stories, but in in something in the woods in the dark, are tied directly to these emotional things that these the two main characters are going through, uh, and really in familiars too. That and and that wasn't. I didn't set out at first, and I didn't say to myself, "I'm going to write two stories that are tied together in you know some thematic ways." It just happened that way. Those were the two right. stories I wanted to tell, and as I started writing them, those themes kind of surfaced, and and and. But now, now that I realized I did that, I want to do that with future stories, too. I always kind of want to tie, have some have some themes to approach similar issues in very different ways. Um, and, yeah, these two stories, they're they're quite, you know, they're, they're serious stories. They're dark stories, which is also the fun of of Desdemona and the shock shop. I get to have the humor elements. You know, she's she's throwing puns around and her situation mm -hmm. is a little more humorous. And I like that I can show that off and then we can move on into these uh, you know, more serious, darker stories. Uh, yes, it, it does kind of take, uh, you know, the tone initially and you're not sure what, you know, you're going to get. Is this going to be the bad guy gets his comeuppance in this terrible way? And when I when I first dug into it and I'm like, oh, no, these are these are folks dealing with some stuff. And I'm 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 you know, I'm uh, I'm an old man now. I'm 43. And I have friends going through everything. I, 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 they, they might listen to the podcast, so I can't see who they are. Yeah. It's things that people go through. It's things that people worry about. And, uh, and that's where, that's where some real, some real, real world fear kind of surfaces um, to, to balance the, I mean, look, by the end of these stories, you know, we're dealing with some real supernatural stuff going on. Um, right. But, you know, it balances that supernatural terror with these real world fears. With the volume of work that you do, and really, I, I haven't crunched the numbers, but I, I have to think <laughs> being somewhat familiar with your career the past 10 years, you have quite a body of work that you have put out. And in terms of the number of new series you're cranking out, what, what is it that still continues to you know, inspire you and like to to dig into these types of issues and these horror stories or these uh, or something like Harrow County that is kind of like, you know, was on the 
edge of horror until it got into like full blown horror or some of these other creepy or spooky things like Manor Black and Cold Spot. Well, you know, it's a uh, th- there are a few things that that drive me, and uh, the the horror elements. It's just what I feel com- probably most comfortable with. I feel like I can tell the most that I can tell more stories in that in that vein i feel like i have a lot of flexibility because there's so many different subgenres, and and i'm just a fan of that genre anyway um dealing with the dealing with the different actual issues different fears that's that's what i'm doing i mean that's what it is i'm, I'm just i'm approaching things things that scare me or worry me and i'm just kind of using these stories to to exercise those demons to some to some extent or just to you know in some cases i don't even realize i'm doing it uh consciously i'm just doing it it's just coming out as the stories are being written and you know i'm also i'm also keenly aware i don't i'm not uh i've been thinking a lot lately that i'm not necessarily happy with the stuff i've written i'm not I'm not satisfied. I don't feel there are certain books that I'm like, okay, I'm never going to, you know, no false modesty. I think these books are amazing. And I think everyone should read them, but there's some books I'm like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily satisfied with what I've done. And I want to get there and do the next thing. That's going to be better, stronger, more interesting. I'm always trying to find that. Um, and I'm, I want to try to experiment in different ways to discover that story. Sometimes it succeeds. Sometimes it fails. And then in a very real way, I know this isn't this isn't a, a, you know, sort of a worry. It's not a concern. I know that one day. Maybe soon, maybe down the road, this is all going to go away. It's just going to vanish. I won't have this job anymore. So when that happens, I want to have told the stories I want to tell and tell as many of those stories. Because I don't know when the carpet's going to get pulled out from under me. I mean, it's been pulled out from under me many times over the course of my writing career. But at some point, it's going to be it's going to get yanked out from under me, and there's going to be a you know a bottomless pit under that uh, carpet. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I live with the certainty that that will happen at some point. So I'm trying to tell the stories I you know I want to tell, and I can get to tell while I have the chance to tell them. Yeah. Well, you know, along those same lines, and. With what you've just said, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you that I every time I, I read your newsletter, which I, I subscribe to it, everyone should. It's great. Um, that's it really is fantastic. But, um, you know, one of the things there, there's a there's a, a vulnerability to your work. And I mean that with the the highest of of compliments and also to how you conduct yourself in terms of, you know, access that you give the people that you know, your fans or your readers. I mean, if anyone doesn't know, there's a website, you're active on most social media platforms. You have a discord, a Patreon, um, (laughs) but with, with all those things that you do other than the commercial aspect of it, I want people to know about my books. I want people to read about my books. If people care about me, they're going to go and buy and read my books. Is there something that you get out of it other than that? Like, is there a, a sense of I'm reaching the people that I want to reach? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A big part of it is I just want to exp- I want people to be able to know what I'm doing. And I think a lot of people don't realize just in terms of comics across the board, 
uh, with every publisher, but definitely in the independent space. But really, it, that's I'm, I'm wrong. It's it's across the board. So much the lion's share of the actual marketing work falls on the creator, and if we don't do it, nobody else is gonna. You know, uh, th- yes, publishers have marketing teams. Some of them are better than others. Uh, some have more resources than others. But for the most part, the creative team has to to kind of shoulder a lot of that. And so it's it's important to me to get the word out, to spread the word and, and get people to, you know, to engage with my work. Because I do think people will find something in what I do. I'm not saying they got to like everything, but I, I think there are things I do that everyone will like. Um, but yeah, there's, there's something more to it than that. I actually really enjoy interacting with people. Uh, not that I have, you know, some weeks are better than others. I get super overwhelmed, but I, I like interacting with people. I, I like sharing, um, the newsletter, especially, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I write my newsletters on Sunday mornings, very early in the morning. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've written exhaustive essays about what I'm thinking about and things that I'm I'm going through, things that make me angry in the industry or scare me or just things I'm depressed about. And then I delete it all. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no one wants to read all this nonsense. Um, and, and then I rewrite and a little bit of it gets through. But. Uh, yeah, to some degree, I need to share that. I feel like it's important for me to share it uh, on a personal level. It's almost like I just want someone to listen to some of these things that are going on. Um, so uh, I get something out of it. I enjoy it. Since I, I, I've, I've tried newsletters for years and years, and I've ne- it never really clicked with me until I started approaching the newsletter the way I am now. Uh which is a little more personal. I share a little bit about my life, share a little bit about how those events might influence writing. And I share what I'm going through in the writing side of things. And then the, yes, then there's some marketing side of things. But once I started kind of really just saying, this is me, this is what's going on. Um, it clicked with me, the sharing. And I, I it absolutely gives me uh, something. Uh, so even if no one ever reads it, I'm still going to do it that way. Even if, you know, my readership dropped to zero, I'd still just keep publishing the newsletters uh, out into the void um, because of, uh, it it may just be the act of writing it out um, that helps me work things out in my head sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I, that, I mean, all that makes sense. Uh, But yes, there are some some dark, dark, uh, essays i've written for that newsletter that i'm just like nope gotta erase all that <laughs> um but yeah, you, it, yeah even though you don't you you don't send all of that there are there you said it there are things that 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 bleed through you know personal things that you're you're going through or things you're you're worried about i think i wrote it down uh when when i getting ready for this i think vicious shivers is the name of the newsletter for anyone that listening that doesn't know i think number 135 um just came out right i think yesterday or um it came out on sunday but yeah on sunday okay yeah they almost Uh, always go out on sunday i've tried other dates to see if uh they get a better response but sunday morning seems to be the one that that works so 
I mean, I, I subscribe to a couple different newsletters from different creators. And I will say yours is the one is like at the top that I always look forward to. I mean, because I really like how you've approached it with everything from, hey, this is what I got coming out. This is what I'm working on. This is what's going on in our life. Um, I think you just said you and your wife, Cindy, just finally after a year and a half did a new episode of the Bun, Bun, Bungalow yeah. <laughs> podcast. Yeah, and and that's the same thing. It's a it's an it's an opportunity for us to kind of, you know, just talk about stuff. Sometimes we vent some serious stuff, or we you know right. hedge around it. But yeah, we uh, you know, it's it's a way for us to get some of that out. And and really, you know, look, there are a lot of comic creators who have these. I'm I'm envious of them because they have these great personas. They are they are all you know they're just larger than life personalities almost. Uh, and I, I'm envious of that, but that's not genuine for me and it's not who I am. So all I have is, is, is just, this is me, you know, this is what I like. These are the things I do. This is where, you know, and, and is, is just try to, uh, so, so the only persona I have is, you know, you see, this is what you get, you know, <laughs> just, you know scars and all. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know, I, I can't speak for everyone that reads your work, but I, I, at least, you know, from my perspective, I think folks appreciate that. I, I don't know. Do you think the error of the big creator is going away a little bit as the mar- there's so many different publishers, there's so many different options with crowdfunding now, there's not just Kickstarter, yeah. there's Zoop and Crowdfunder. Do you think that's going away a little bit? It is. Look, there's always going to be the new hotness. Right. There's always going to be the creators that are um, that are, you know, that have fire underneath them at the moment. But, yeah, I do think that that, you know, it's 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 been that way for a while. You look back when you know, I think about when the 80s, you know, when I was first really getting into collecting and reading comics, there were all these giant names, these titans of the industry. And they had these gigantic runs on books, these that are still, you know, seen as like the you know, this is the, what you hold these, you know, what you hold every, the industry up against. Right. And I don't think we have that anymore. Um, I think we have creators who are great and creators who people who have great followings and get a reputation and, but they don't always, it's not, a few of them have stuck around who really maintain that for a long time, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's, if it's ever going to be what it used to be. Um, And some of that's, yeah, it's a, some of that's that, there are so many great books coming out from so many different sources now. Um, some of that is uh, how creators themselves are marketed, you know, out there uh, by the publishers. It's it's how uh, runs on books are treated by some of the publishers. You know, you don't get many gigantic runs on a on a series anymore. A few, but not not many. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. You don't you don't get many series even creator owned that run for you know that many issues oh, no. it's, it's really hard it's really <laughs> hard. i mean it's very difficult to maintain any book for a long run um and uh so those who you know if you can that's that's awesome and it, it only helps yeah well um another one of your dark horse books i'd mentioned harrow county had a fairly long run and then you recently went back and revisited that. What was that like to to write Harrow County again? 
Uh, you know, it was it was something we were we were very hesitant to do. I love the idea of doing it, but you know, Har- the original Harrow County series ran thirty two issues, and that's what was planned. That's we we told the story we wanted to tell. It started the way we wanted it to. It ended the way we wanted it to. Um, and I think there's value in stories that have an ending. Um, so going into writing tales from Harrow County, I was, I was hesitant at first because I didn't want readers to see it as the undoing of the story we had told before. And I thought it had to be a very different kind of story. It had to be, it had to, to, to stand on its own to some degree while honoring what came, came before. So we were hesitant getting into it. Um, and then, but, but once I did it, I started doing it. You know, uh, the original Harrow County and Tales from Harrow County have about 10 years apart between them. So, but they do deal with this, you know, some of the same characters who are in different stages of their lives. And uh, once I started getting into it, I really enjoyed writing those characters. And I found a bigger story that I wanted to tell and that I think does nothing to undo what we did in Harrow County and tells its own story from Tales of Harrow County. And, uh, you know, I have a big plan for that story. We've, we've done three, three of those, three of those series now. <laughs> I have a couple yeah. of, I have, there's a couple more to tell the whole story that I want to tell. Okay. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been fun to, to revisit them and try some different things. Um, to, you know, I'm working with different artists, um, instead of Tyler, Crook, Tyler Crook, who drew them, you know, the, almost every issue of the original series. Uh, but it's been it's been a lot of fun, um, man. I, mean, I I just love that world so much. I love world building, and this gives me a chance to to kind of explore different corners of that world. But yeah, I mean, it is such it is such a, a a fun world to read. I have to imagine that it would be fun, you know. To I understand <laughs> the point you're making, but th- there does have to be some fun in terms of revisiting it because there's so much to to mine from it in terms of the the characters you created that, you know, the different supernatural beings that would pop up. Um, there is just a whole lot there that you can do almost anything with and tell any type of story. Like the groundwork that you and Tyler Crook laid is very firm, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and the thing with Tales from Harrow County is we've really introduced completely different corners of the mythology of the world to explore. These are, these are not, you know, these are not stories that these aren't, aren't characters and villains and, uh, you know, side characters that we did anything with in the first series. We're really trying to do completely new corners of, of that mm-hmm. universe. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of, you know, so, you know, in the new series, we introduced the fairy realm which seems so odd and weird compared to the first series, but it's not because of how we can tie fairies into sort of this Appalachian folklore and everything. And it just, uh, it's fun to explore that. And I love those characters. You know, I, I tend to fall in love with most of the characters I, I write regardless of, of company, whether it's creator owned or not creator owned, I fall in love with these characters. Um, and at least, you know, with creator owned, I can return. <laughs> I can return to them. And <laughs> if I get to return to them, um, you know, I tend to be very mean to the characters I love the most. But uh, but I still I can, you know, 
at the creator owned, I can, I have control over if I get to write those characters again. And that's, uh, that's satisfying mm-hmm. to me. So I'm going to embrace it while I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of being mean to the characters you write, I guess that's a, a good segue back into um, Shock Shop in terms of what uh, readers can expect. And so for the, the two stories that you're telling, is it four issues for this first arc? Yeah, so the two stories will be serialized over four issues. So each story will be around 40-something pages. And so and that will tell a complete a complete story in those four issues. And then when we go to another arc, it'll be two different stories that will be serialized over four issues. Uh, I, I like that format. It kind of has a, you know, it it's it's meteor than a single issue. It's not as long as a, you know, a full series, but it kind of gives us a, a nice, uh, a nice sort of comfort zone in terms of what story we can tell. And yeah. And there really is in the first, even in the first issue, there is still a lot of story packed into it. You really spend time um, building up these relationships and who these characters are um, in the second story familiars. Um, again, it's, it's right into it, but you quickly get a sense of what the main character is is going through. He's has he moved into this new home, and uh, he seems to be divorced. Or and it you really right away get a sense of who this guy is, what he's trying to do. Seems like somebody trying to get back on his feet. And yeah, I, I mean, I bet just about anybody reading it could think of a person that yeah, I know someone like this who's, <laughs> and that's what makes the horror element of it a little surprising shocking but it's that that type of emotional trauma is kind of you know perfect for dealing with these supernatural things i think yeah it's uh that those the, writing the stories in this format it, it presents an interesting challenge because i'm trying to get a lot of story into you know a shorter series so but i don't want to slow the story down with a lot of exposition or anything like that so it's it's really figuring out that balance uh, to just to to make it you know an interesting an interesting story, but to keep it moving you know and to to get the characters and understand the characters and connect with the characters, but keep everything going towards uh mm-hmm. you know the end. Uh, and it's it's fun because I get to write it in two very different ways. You know, uh, something in the woods in the dark is kind of a more somber story right from the beginning. Um, Familiars reads almost like a an Amblin, you know, like a, a fun, hey, <laughs> this is fun. And then, oh no, there's something awful. <laughs> it's it may not be quite as fun as you think it, it is. Uh, being able to explore the the pacing and the the different vibe of those two stories. You know, having um worked on so many, you know, different series though, do you still get surprised when you turn in a script and you start getting pages back? Like, do you still get surprised sometimes by the by the paneling and by, oh, I, I saw it in my head this way. And and, you know, Danny Lucker drew it like this. And does that still happen for you? Every time. Every time. It's what I <laughs> what I like most about working in comics is that collaborative nature, the surprise of getting the books. And, and it's different with every <laughs> it's different with every artist you work with. Because some artists send you every every day, you get a page. Here's a new page. So I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's a page of the book. <laughs> See it. Oh, look how I like how it's going. I like how it's building. 
Um, and then on the other hand, I just today, like right before this interview, I got the final issue of a series I'm doing for Boom. Uh, I got the final issue of Basilisk. I got all of the art at once. I've never seen a single, I haven't seen a single panel from that issue until today. And and then, yeah, that's just like, oh, I'm reading the comic for the first time. <laughs> and and I'm, as I'm looking through every page, I'm like, oh, I got to see Jonas Scarf is the, the artist on Basilisk. And he's amazing. And uh, every every page, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I know what moment. I'm really waiting to see how he, how he draws this moment and then he gets to it. And I'm like, what? you know, yeah, <laughs> oh, you know, this is what I wanted. And, and it's, it's great because um, it's such a, it, like the, the collaboration, the surprise, um, the moment when the artist draws these pages that are so much better than I've ever dreamed they'd be, you know, this is, I'm like, this isn't what I described because it's a thousand times better, you know, and then that's, you know, that's just exciting for me. Oh, that's awesome. Um, do you still have time to, uh, to to read any comics? I mean, I know in your newsletter you have weekly obsessions with things that you're into or games that you're playing. Um, yeah, I mean, do you still have time to read comics? I still read comics. I find myself, I still, you know, I fall into the habit. If you, if, you know, if you can see my shelves around me, they're loaded with graphic novels. And, and I still... I still revisit the old stuff. And, and the other day I pulled up, pulled out a giant pile of old Marvel graphic novels from the eighties, uh, the thinner ones, the album sized ones, Marvel DC and some indies. And I started really getting into those. Um, but then I read some other stuff. Like I just read Dennis hopeless's hard eyes, which I think is amazing. It's to me, it's my favorite thing Dennis has done. Um, and I think he's great anyway. So, you know, that's a big deal. Um, I like Kyle Strom's Twig, I think is great. And Scotty Young, I think Twig is great. I j and then, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of graphic novels that I've kind of, my, you know, my Tubi Red pile gets a little long in the two. Like I just read Gideon Falls uh, from Jeff Lemire and it's great. I love it. But, uh, you know, it's, oh, sat okay. on it's, it's sat on my shelf forever before I finally pulled it off the shelf and, and read it. Uh, so I have a lot of graphic novels on these shelves that are still sealed in a, uh, still sealed in the plastic i gotta rip off of them so i can read them oh <laughs> uh, yeah gideon falls was one of my favorites um uh jeff lemire and um andrea sorrentino um yeah. just yeah that was a, a phenomenal series i really love that one too well it's nice to hear that you still you know dip back into the old favorites and then uh you, you know try and make your way you're struggling to get through your to be red pile like the rest of us <laughs> and Tough. You know, I had a I had a favorite local comic shop here in town and they closed a few years back and I just. It, it's been tough for me to get back into the weekly going to the shop and buying, you know, buying comics. Uh, the guy who the, the guy who used to manage the store that closed, he just recently got into going back into the comic shop every Wednesday. And uh, and I think I'm going to start going with him and we'll, we'll you know. I'll go start shopping for comics again, but uh, because I just re I, I haven't been getting previews until just within the last couple of couple few weeks. I started reading previews again to see what's coming out. Um, so I definitely fell off a little bit, um, at least when it mm -hmm. comes month to month. You know, comics that are coming out month to month. But I'm trying. I'm trying to get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, but yeah, no, that's I'm, good. My my to be read pile. 
is yeah. It, it's sorry. I was. I'm. I'm never going to be the guy that says, you know, I. You know, I write comics, so I don't like comics anymore. I, I, that's not me. I mean, I. I got into writing comics because I love reading comics, and I still do. Right. Yeah, uh, that's that's great. I, 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 you don't seem like the type that would, uh, you know, not be into it anymore. And it's, it's nice to hear that you're, you might try and get back into the, uh, the shop on Wednesday. Um, I'm going to try. It's, it's all about being, <laughs> I get, I get to feeling so busy and so overwhelmed that I was like, I can't spare, I can't spare an hour to go to the comic shop today. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay here and work, <laughs> but I've, uh, you know, we'll see. Well, yeah, speaking of busy, I mean, so what other than September 7th with Shock Shop coming out, what um, what other books can we look for that you uh, you have coming out in the next couple of weeks or months? Well, I have a few that have been announced. I mean, I'm working on a, a bunch that haven't been announced yet, but uh, I have a few that have been announced. There's a, a new book from Aftershock called The Foulness in the Walls. That's a, a one of those album size. They call them one shocks. They're a little oversized. They're album sized. It's a it's a horror comic. Uh, it has some similarities to familiars, really, because it's about a guy who's getting back on his feet. And he's got this house. It's a very different house and a very different problem. Um, but it, yeah, so the okay. wall coming out from Aftershock around the same time. I think these I think that comes out in November, November 16th. And on that same day, I have a new series from Vault launching called Door to Door Night by Night, which is about uh, a sales, a door to door sales team that encounters supernatural threats in every town they go to. And they have to they have to contend with these supernatural threats, even though they're ill, ill prepared for such things at best. And they are not the kind of people you probably would want defending you uh, against the forces of the darkness, but they, they are thrust into that situation. And so I'm doing that with Vault that's coming up. So it's going to be uh, those two. Uh, I'm doing a new. In October, there's a Archie one shot, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Salem, which is about is, is a, a story about Sabrina's cat uh, going off on an adventure of his own. That I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I got a bunch of a bunch of books that uh, that haven't been announced yet that uh, that I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that I can share with people soon. Oh, that's fantastic. And and if anyone uh, wants to know when they're coming out, just make sure you sign up for Vicious Shivers, uh, Helen's newsletter. I'll put I'll put links in the uh, in in the show notes is um, a foundness in the walls going to be similar to what uh, you had done, Eden and piecemeal. Yeah. It's the same format as as Eden and piecemeal. So it's a standalone horror story. Um, but, yeah, it's in that same that same oversized format. And it's, oh, that's it's, fantastic! Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And yeah, it's uh, you know, if you if you subscribe to Vicious Shivers, uh, you'll you'll see, you know, I keep a, a running list of uh, of <laughs> when I have books coming out. I hint at a lot of books. I don't think a lot of my publishers probably don't like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I have little hints of of books that are coming out. Some that are um are are really really far down the line but still coming out well that's um i'm glad to hear we're still going to get uh plenty of more cullen bun books um but i don't want to keep you 
too much longer because I'll just keep talking to you about everything um, because this has been a, a real treat for me. I, I don't expect you to remember this, but um, I met you at a Comic-Con and it's my favorite con story only because it uh, infuriates my younger brother who oh, I know exactly go to Baltimore cop. Yeah, I knew exactly <laughs> what story you were going to tell. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was fun. So... Just to tell folks, I went to Baltimore Comic-Con in 2019 with my brother, and uh, I we had got we got down there, and we, before they could let anybody in, I went across the street um, to a, a restaurant or bar that they had there. And I was sitting at the bar, and my brother was waiting in line. He didn't want to come over. He wanted to wait in line. And I saw a gentleman sitting at the bar that I thought looked familiar from, from Twitter, and uh, we started, you know, I, I think... One of the bartenders, the way I remember it, one of the bartenders might have said something about, you know, what are you doing or in town for? And I said, oh, we're going to the comic book convention. And I you and I started talking and I and I, I thought I knew who you were. And I said, yeah, my brother and I, we come down here. We like to get some books signed and, and see some people. And I said, my brother, his like favorite writer is uh, Cullen Bunn. And you you turned and stuck your hand down and we're like, I'm Cullen Bunn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember, I, I remember that very well because right after I called my wife as I was walking to the convention, I was like, guess what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as, as soon as my brother and I, like, a, a, you know, later on in the day and we had walked over to where you were, you know, talking to folks and signing books. And as soon as we walked over, you looked at me and you're like, Hey buddy. And my, <laughs> my brother was so annoyed. <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah, it was. The, yeah, uh, I love it when I can help people annoy their siblings. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, that was a that was a real treat for me. So thank you um, very much. And uh, you signed some books for us, and we picked up a couple of things, and we we loved all of it. My brother is a big fan of your. I he would be very upset because he listens to the podcast if I didn't say he is a huge fan of your 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 darth maul that you did yeah that's uh i remember because that's what she told me he was a, a big fan of back then yeah i mm -hmm. i uh i i loved working on that that book it, it's uh uh i would have loved to do more in the star wars universe i would have loved to have done more darth maul but you know it wasn't it wasn't to be um but that's another yeah you know, again, like i was saying earlier i write darth maul and i'm like I want to write a lot of Darth Maul. I want to do a, you know, I got to do a, a Darth Maul ongoing. Let's really dig into this Darth Maul guy, uh, which was, you know, that's my dream that never come, you know, never came to fruition. But it was a lot it of fun. It does seem like a character that I, yeah, I mean, it does seem like a character that you're well suited for. And the the issues you did get to write are, I mean, fantastic. Yeah, it's, uh, I like writing, you know, I love writing those villainous characters and uh, and playing with the concept of not making them good guys, but making them mm -hmm. not likable, but understandable. You know, I, I like that people can can, you know, root for the bad guy, even though they know in the end, this person can't win. They can't they, they have you know, we don't want the bad guys to win. So, <laughs> but I do like mm -hmm. I do like I, I do like writing them. So, yeah, I think I wrote. Well, you know, you know, 
I was just, I was doing that the same time I was doing Magneto and Sinestro and, and Darth Maul. I was really into a bad guy kick during that time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, um, the, the DC stuff, the Sinestro, you would, uh, you, well, Green Lantern Lost Army. Um, but yeah, to get to write Sinestro, one of the, I mean, quintessential kind of DC bad guys must have been a real treat too. Yeah, uh, it it was, and again, it's one of those that I'm I'm disappointed with because I had so many more plans for Sinestro, but I mm-hmm. you know I don't have spinal say in in that in that finally finally happening. Um, but there were big plans for Sinestro, and uh, Lost Army was going to turn into something bigger, and there's going to be. 12 issues of Lost Army, and then it was going to, the Green Lanterns were going to return to our universe. We're going to find out why they were stuck in this other universe, and then they were going to return to our universe, and and it was going to be a reverse Sinestro Corps war, because the Sinestro Corps would have proliferated throughout the universe, and the Green Lanterns were going to come back in and try to seize control from them. And it was really planned out as something big and epic and awesome. And, you know, unfortunately, those things just fall apart sometimes. Uh, you know, we had. Yeah. We we all had worked on. Oh, it that would have been great. It, and it just kind of, you know, it died on the vine, um, unfortunately. But uh, it would have been nice, you know, again, if DC called me tomorrow and said, hey, do you want to do another Sinestro series? I would jump at the chance to, to write Sinestro again. Right. Uh, I just loved writing that character so much. When you work on something like that for for DC or Marvel or you know somebody else's you know IP, um, mm-hmm. it, and then you have an idea and then it doesn't like go anywhere, are, are you still able to like you know I know you can't use those characters obviously, but are you able to like take a little bit of that that plot or that theme <laughs> and then turn it into something else? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I, you know, there are definitely ideas that you know you pitch and it just doesn't get picked up or you you know you plan on and something happens and the book ends there right. are definitely ideas that you know you can harvest bits and pieces from sometimes I, I don't think there's ever a time where i could just say okay i'm gonna take that story and just pull it up move it over here and plug different characters in because i feel like if you can do a story where you can just unplug the characters and plug somebody else in and that doesn't change it doesn't change the story in significant ways i've probably not done my job i probably haven't written that story as well as it can be written because to me the character kind of becomes integral to it and i can't just unplug i could there's no way i could write it write one of my sinestro stories and unplug sinestro and plug another character in without massive rewrites anyway um or you know well that's true um so, so that, but there are even within that, you know, I have notebooks and notebooks of kernels of ideas or ideas that died or, you know, never went anywhere that eventually I'll, they will usually spin out into something else for me. Um, and sometimes those just sit in notebooks for years too, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they turn into real stories. Do you, uh, do you keep, 
like a, an app on your phone or do you have to write everything down in, in terms of like when you have a story idea, like what is your way to, oh, I just had uh, somebody said something and it made me think of this and that could be a thing. Like what do you, what right. do, you do when that it's happens? Usually, it's usually depending on when it is. I have a couple of, I used to carry notebooks. I mean, I still have notebooks everywhere. There's always one in easy reach and I'll write in those. But these days it's my phone um, I'll, I'll, on the notes app. I'll just type something in real quick. Um, or my iPad, I have this digital tablet where I can, which has really replaced most of my physical notebooks and I can write something quick into that. Um, and sometimes absolutely I'll open it up months and months later and I'll say, what is, and there's just some random (laughs) sentence or, or sentence that makes no sense. And I have to really think, what was this? Why did I write these words? Uh, because a lot of times I just write, <laughs> just you know, just strange phrases that, that I that I'm, I'm I guess I think <laughs> something for me, and sometimes they don't, and then I'm just trying to then I'm just left trying right. to figure out what I wrote those words for in the first place. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully you'll uh, if there are any you know, ho- hopefully you'll remember at some point. Uh, inspiration will strike again, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. I keep them. So, I mean, at some point it'll, it'll either be, it'll, it'll either, you know, rekindle the memory or it'll inspire something new or it'll just be an interesting curiosity for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, uh, Colin, I, I can't thank you enough. This has been uh, a fantastic conversation and I I hope everyone listening uh, enjoyed it and goes and picks up shock shop number one and uh, adds it to the pull list as well as, all the other books that you uh, you have uh, coming out. Uh, and if you haven't read Harrow County, uh, go read Harrow County. Um, my my library had library editions, which were wonderful. Um, and uh, I can't encourage everyone enough to 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 check out Harrow County because it's one of my favorite of series of all time. Yeah. And this, there are great ways to get into that book now because Dark Horse has released these. Uh, the omnibus edition. So it's a two volume set that covers the entire 32 issues. And, uh, and it's pretty, I can't remember what the price point is on, but it's pretty, it's pretty nice for that many issues of, of book. It's, it's a pretty great price point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. And um, I, Oh, along the same lines of Harrow County, I saw that there's going to be a, um, a Harrow County board game, which looks oh, yeah. uh, f- fantastic. I have a, have it for our, my friend Dan uh, Nixon is like our 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 game master basically, and whenever <laughs> right. we have a game night, he has Dan has every board game imaginable. Uh, he sent it to me, and he's like, "I know you like Harrow County. Look at this." Um, so yeah, that looks like a, a fantastic kind of fantastic game coming out. I think it's heading to Kickstarter in October. Is that right? Yeah. So th- the game is being published by uh, Off the Page Games. Uh, it's going to be their second game. The first game they did was an adaptation of Matt Kent's Mind Management as a board game. Um, so they're really oh focused. wow yeah. So they're they're really focused at least right now. Their goal is they take comic book properties they love and they adapt them into board games. And and yeah, the the Harrow County game is. I play a lot of board games, and it's it's different from any game I've played before. It's a, it's sort of a, a, 
it sort of starts out, it's like a one-to-one skirmish game, but then other factions can join into the game and it becomes a, a you know, a, a one versus one versus one. And it's just got every time you play this game, it completely changes. It's a completely different game. Um, there's some really cool features because the the box has the tr- this tree, which is this iconic tree from Harrow County on it. But it was designed in such a way that you turn it and the tree becomes sort of a dice tower for the dice that fall out of the uh, that you use in the game. So there's really some neat uh, components to it. It's a uh, it's a beautiful game because it incorporates Tyler Crook's amazing art. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be, it's a lot of fun. I've played it a few times now and it's, it's been interesting for me because I get to see it. I've seen it when there was no art, you know, we were just playing it with like stick figures and, and placeholder. Oh, okay. Art. Now it's got this, you know, now it's got all this great art. The box is starting to come together, but yeah, they're going to be kickstarting it in, in October, early October is when it launches um on kickstarter oh that's fantastic the kickstarter page is out there now so you can go and and hit the you know tell me when this launches um but yeah uh and you should also check out their mind management game which was something else i mean again they're the nice thing about off the page is they're really they're really wanting to take these games and create some it's not like a you know i was just saying you can't plug a character into a different story they're 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 really designing games that make sense with the books that they're based on. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Um, and because board games are not what board games were when you know <laughs> I was a kid, and uh, no. it's 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 it it's incredible the, the complexity of board games nowadays. But they're still so much fun. Um, yeah, I, I know that you play, you know, and you've mentioned you did, you talk about it in your newsletter. Um, yeah, I, I played one a couple weeks ago that Dan brought over called Viticulture, where you're, you, I don't know, you run a, you're a family that runs a winery and you make wine. And it was, yeah. it was, it was awesome. We loved yeah. it. It was, <laughs> there are so many different kind of games. I just saw one advertised where you're the, you're an executive at a horror movie studio and you're competing with other horror movie executives to make the best movies. I was like, that sounds like the perfect game for me. I love this idea. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, I'm into, I just, I just love, you know, I, I love board games. I love being able to get together with my friends and try something new. And, you know, yes, there are games we play over and over again because they're so much fun, but I, I do like, uh, you know, I have a closet over here that's full of games to try at some point because I have a problem. I have a I have a, a problem with board games, <laughs> just like my two red well, pile, two be play pile. Well, as long as you have folks that are uh, wanting to come over and play, um, right? I think you'll be all right. Yeah, um, Colin, this has been. So much fun for me. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'll I'll put links in the um in the show notes for Shock Shop, for your newsletter and and website. Um, uh, I I can't and I as I said I can't recommend enough uh for people to dig into Harrow County if you hadn't. But uh, Colin, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, for uh, Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner, I am uh, Jimmy Gasparro, and I really hope you enjoyed this uh, conversation. If you did, please uh, 
like and subscribe and do all the things they they tell folks to do about podcasts. Um, And uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.